Welcome to the Nurture Small Business Podcast. I'm your host, Denise Kagan, president of DCA Virtual Business Support. At DCA, we believe in small businesses and the families they support. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Are you running your business? Is your business running you? Cash flow statements, profit and loss, EBITDA, balance sheets, they seem to make my head spin a bit. Today's guest helps business owners make sense of the data so they can run their business and get off the hamster wheel. I'd like to welcome Ryan Kimmler to the show today. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you very much for having me. So Ryan, tell me, um, I usually ask a, a little bit of personal stuff in our pre-call, but I didn't today. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So my background, um, you know, I have a degree in accounting and finance. Um, so numbers is definitely my thing, right? And uh, went to Illinois State University. And now I live in the greater St. Louis area with my wife and um, two dogs. We have uh, two Great Danes. So we love Ooh. we love our big dogs. Yeah. They're, uh, I'm a small dog person. I have a men pin. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, they're very lazy. So, you know, they're <laughs> easy. They're easy to take care of. They sleep a lot, um, but they're they're also really enjoyable, fun time. So, um, yeah. And then love uh, love being in the outdoors, taking our dogs to the dog park. And then we um, my wife and I, we also like to foster dogs. We work with a uh, local shelter here that's a no kill shelter. And we always get compliments that our Great Danes are well-trained and well-behaved. And so the shelter likes to send us Great Danes that they get. Usually they've been, you know, mistreated or abused, right? Mm -hmm. And we, Mm -hmm. we really help get them back on their feet and, you know, train them so that they can, you know, go to a good home. And um, we really, we really enjoy doing that. Um, And and our dogs really serve as an example for the dog that comes in so that, Mm -hmm. you know, the foster dog knows how that, how they should be acting and behaving. So we really enjoy doing that. I love to hear this. I actually am on a recently joined a board for a small um, small dog rescue, and they rescue senior dogs. As I noted before the show, my min pin's fifteen years old, so I got her from from that particular rescue, and it's a small local rescue. So I love That's to cool. hear what you're doing. I, I love to see people that are are helping those that can't help themselves and animals that wind up in shelters certainly cannot help themselves. So this, this is awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. So I got the pleasure to listen to another podcast that you were on. And, and some of the things really, um, you know, just made me, well, brought some questions out, to be honest with you. I, sure. I think that host asked you, what keeps you awake at night? And I put that on my list to ask you. So what does keep you awake at night? Yeah. So one of the biggest things um, that keeps me awake at night is just business owners that don't have the privilege of, you know, working with a financial guide or or someone that's in their corner, really helping them understand their business, helping them have a growing and more profitable business, right? I know that there's a lot of business owners out there that, you know, they probably end up having a bookkeeper that keeps the books and makes the reports. And then they probably end up having a CPA, right? That helps them file their taxes and gives them tax advice. And then there's a huge gap in the middle, right? Where, you know, they're kind of stuck looking at the reports themselves and there's no, they're trying to figure out what's working in their business and what's not. And there's no guidance or scoreboard or anything to help them really sift through all of the data. Um, And so that's one of the things that really keeps me up at night for sure. And do you find that the clients you work with, same things keeping them up at nights? 
Yes. So, you know, clients, <laughs> they don't wake up in the middle of the night saying, man, I wish I had cleaner books, right? They wake, <laughs> they, they wake up in the middle of the night thinking about what do I need to do tomorrow, right? To make my mm-hmm. business better. And there's thousands of things as a business owner that you could be doing every day, mm-hmm. right? How, how do you know which activities are really making a, a positive impact to your business and helping you grow? And I think that's what keeps a lot of business owners up at night. And, you know, am I going to have enough cash to make payroll in two weeks, right? Or those kind of things for sure. Um, before I started working with my clients, kept them up at night. Okay. So that brings me back to my intro cash flow statements. Honestly, until I went through the Goldman Sachs program, I didn't even have a clue there was something called a cash flow statement. Um, and I've been in business at that point 18 years with two different businesses. Yeah. What are they? <laughs> Yeah. So to give a high level overview, they're really supposed to highlight the cash that moves in and out of your business. That's not easy to find in your financial statements. So for example, um, let's say as a business owner, you went out and got a small business loan, right? During this last pandemic, during the COVID pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're paying that loan back and let's just, let's just make it easy, right? Um, Let's say you're paying back $500 a month. For the whole for the entire year of of 2020, let's just call it 2022. So the the job of the cash flow statement, if you're looking at it for the year of 2022, is really to document that you've paid that loan back, right? And and the cash flow that went out the door to pay that loan, right? Which would be six grand, five hundred dollars times the 12 months. But if you look at the balance sheet, the only thing the balance sheet's going to show you is the balance of the loan. So the only other way to really find how much cash you put towards that loan would be to run a balance sheet at the end of December and go back and run one in January and then subtract the two if there wasn't a cash flow statement right mm. and so so yeah so that yes that's really the job of the cash flow statement whether you're looking at it over a month period over a 3 month period or over a 12 month period it's to document those changes in cash flow and and the cash that left the business that is not easy to find just by looking at financial statements. Okay. And, and but, if I'm not mistaken, the, the month, how you spend that money is documented on your P&L. Well, for, <laughs> for operating costs, yes. Yes. Okay. However, when you're talking about a loan, right? Loan sits on the balance sheet and is something that you owe as a business, right? It, it's what we, it's a liability, right? So what you owe another person. And some business owners don't understand this either. Like when you're paying back the principal of a loan, that does not come out of your net income, right? So just to dive into that a little bit more and explain that, you could have, hypothetically speaking, a net income, like a positive income. Let's say you made $500 over the course of the year. And then let's say you paid back a loan for $6,000. You would have negative cash flow from that, right? Mm. So- you could have a you could have a business that made a positive net income, but because of the debt that they're servicing, they could have negative cash flow, which means you've either got to take on more debt or the business owner has to put in that money and, and cover that themselves. Thank you. That made my head stop spinning just a bit. That was a simple <laughs> <Sure>. enough explanation. <laughs> so 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 that's that's your superpower. You take all this complex number and where they show up and you make it easy for business owners to, to understand what's happening. I certainly try. Yes. Um, <laughs> they really are complex statements. And unfortunately, for the most part, they've really been built for compliance, right? Mm. They, they've been built for the IRS and, and SEC and, and the regulatory agencies, and they've not really been built to 
help a business owner to help them say, hey, you know, right here, circle this number in red, right? This is the number that needs to change for you to go do better in your business, right? Like that report doesn't exist, you know? So besides helping people understand these reports that really weren't built for us to understand, um, I understand that you also consult in that CFO capacity to help people become more profitable. Yes, that is that is the majority of the work that I do today. Uh, personally, you know, I I do have a small team that handles like some accounting work, but yes, personally, I handle you know clients on, in a CFO capacity. Um, and really, you know, my goal there, you know, for for the business owners out there that don't know what a CFO is or what a CFO does, you know, that's not really uncommon. Most people, when they think of a CFO, they think Apple, Google, right? The really big companies, like oh, they need a CFO because they're hundreds of millions of dollars in size and they have a lot more things going on financially. But actually, you know, my job as a CFO is really to analyze and track revenue, profit, and cash flow, analyze the strengths and weaknesses. So what's working, what's not, and then propose corrective actions out of those strengths and weaknesses that I find and take those to the CEO. And so even if you have a business, you know, that's doing half a million dollars a year, you can still benefit from having a CFO on your team. And, you know, the CFO's job is really to be strategic, look at the numbers in a strategic way. And if you need an additional resource, really help you find that resource and bring that resource in. So can you give me an example, clearly without identifying the client, of a suggestion you've made for someone to optimize that strategic push to become more profitable? Yep, sure. Absolutely. So one of the things that I really looked at um, with a law firm that I was working with was productivity in their payroll and how are they producing compared to the revenue that was being brought in. And what I really found was, was that there was a weakness in productivity. There was a, there was at least one attorney um, that really wasn't producing in the way that they should, right? Really wasn't billing the number of hours that they should have. And so you know, one of my recommendations working with the client was that, you know, we need to go and and look into the people that you're paying and what they're producing. Um, And what really came out of that was, you know, we found an associate attorney that was just not being as productive as they should have been, not billing as many hours as they should have been. And more importantly, not billing the right hours, right? Some of their time that they were billing ended up getting written off. And so we really just had to, you know, put them on on a billable hours goal right and and get them on track and get them more productive and you know we took the attorney from i think it was about a 1.8 return on payroll up to like a 3.5 return oh, on payroll that's incredible so you know when that happens that those revenue dollars have a direct impact and go right to the bottom line right because the payroll amount that we paid that attorney didn't change but with the amount of productivity and the amount of revenue changing, that hit the bottom line directly. So basically what you did was you baselined it, put the metrics and KPIs in place with the goal of what they were to hit. Did you incorporate any um, like bonus structure or anything else in this? We did. Yeah. So awesome. yes, the hours that they went oh, exceeded and went over their, you know, their target um, we we paid out a percentage of those hours that the you know after the firm collected, and so that yes, we built a built a bonus structure into that. I love that. So you're increasing the productivity of someone on the team and rewarding them for doing that, but also 
increasing the profitability of the company overall. Yep, absolutely. That is awesome. So I did read in your bio that you have an outside CFO guide. Tell me about that just a little bit. Yeah. So coming up here in um, 2023, I'm going to be coming out with um, a book actually that talks about having a CFO, outside CFO guide in your business, right? And so when I say outside CFO, I'm talking about you know, a part-time CFO that's not hired in-house, right? So for, you know, this is really relevant for the smaller businesses that are doing, you know, four or $500,000 a year, all the way up to four or 5 million, you know, going out and hiring a CFO full-time probably costs in the range of 150 to $200,000 a year, plus mm-hmm. benefits and taxes. Like for a million dollar business, that's just not doable and right. not, you know, to be profitable. And so my, my book is going to talk about how hiring an outside CFO guide, kind of like myself, that you can bring in on a part-time basis, get the help and the tools and the tricks that a CFO would bring to the table, you know, part-time at a fraction of the cost of what it would be to have a full-time guide. And and my guide is going to talk about not only some of the reasons for doing it, but also kind of how the DAC has been stacked against smaller business owners a little bit. And then also what to look for, you know, when you're going out and, and looking for a guide like that. So, and I know that this is what they typically call term as a fractional CFO. So you have to be careful there. So let oh, me let me okay. <laughs> let me jump in here. Let me jump in here a minute. So this will, this will be really good for your audience. So I I don't call myself a fractional CFO. I did notice that. Yes, for the purpose of there are some fractional CFOs out there that all they do is they work on a contract basis and they come into the business, they solve a problem. And then once that problem is solved, they're gone and their contract ends, right? So for example, let's say we've got a business owner that's trying to go to a bank and get a working line of credit or you know working loan. And maybe the bank says, okay, in order for us to give that to you, um, you know, we need an analysis on your previous financials. We also need you to, you know, we need a five-year forecast and a five-year business plan. Maybe that maybe that's what the bank says. And so a fractional CFO would come into the business, they could, you know, do the analysis create the forecast, create the business plan, right? They would complete that. They would hand it to the business owner, say, here you go. This is what you asked me to do. And then they would be gone. And so the way that I work with business owners is completely different in the sense that, you know, we work more on an ongoing basis, right? I'm a firm believer in, you know, once you solve one problem, you have several more that kind of come up. And if you hire a fractional CFO, they get your one problem solved. And then, you don't have any help after that and and they're gone, right? Unless you're going to hire them on another contract. And so that's also why I like to say that I am a guide, right? We work together long-term, month over month, so that I can help you with whatever challenge or problem that you have that comes up. Okay. I I like that. So, uh, but it sounds like you, more than just challenges and problems, you're being proactive as well. Yes, absolutely. And so, yeah, part of my job as, as, you know, my client's CFO is, you know, I'll build them out a scoreboard. But the important thing is, is that I'm forecasting, you know, where the business is headed, where we're going. And so if there is a red flag, if there is a number that's not on track, like maybe, you know, maybe the business is not bringing in enough leads for the number of sales that it wants to have, or maybe, you know, their conversion rate of those leads is, is not where it needs to be. Um, you know, we're going to find that early on before it really becomes a problem um, so that we can put an action plan in place and have to do's and, and action items 
um, to really get that problem and get that number changed around so that it is working in favor of the business. I like that. I like that. So where is the break point? So I, I know, you know, when you're a small business owner first starting up, particularly a micro business that might not be funded, you know, you're doing everything yourself and then you grow and your first year might be a hundred K and then you might go two fifty. Where's where's the break point where it makes sense to bring um a part-time CFO in? Yeah. So I typically see somewhere around the 500,000, half a million dollars a year mark. Um, I can definitely start working with clients. There are some exceptions to that, right? Um, if you're in the $400,000 range and you're growing pretty well, or you know maybe you've got some good profit margins, right? Then we can definitely work with that. But that's usually the range that I see that that happens, that it really makes sense. You know, as a business owner, your first hire kind of in your accounting and finance department. I mean, obviously you have to get your taxes taken care of, but I don't really consider that a hire. Kind of happens once a year and they're not, you know, they're not working with you ongoing, right? And, you know, you can probably get your taxes filed for, I don't know, thousand dollars, call it a thousand dollars. I don't know what it is. Don't take my, don't take my word for that. For me. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what taxes are, but that's not really like, a, I don't consider that like a hire. So your first hire as a business owner should really be a bookkeeper, right? And to me, like as soon as you get to six figures, as soon as you get to hundred thousand dollars, um, you should hire a part-time bookkeeper because you know they a lot of times they work remotely now. You can find bookkeepers that are specialists in your industry. You know, it's just it frees up so much of your time as a business owner when your background is not in accounting. You know, it's just it's it's just so worth it. It's it's an investment that's really worth it. Oh yeah. I only had to mess up QuickBooks and my tax return once for me to not do it myself. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I wound up owing the IRS a few thousand dollars. Um and Ouch. it was a very honest mistake, but it yes. was a mistake on my part. And once it was pointed out, it's like, hmm, okay. Never yes. have I tried to do my own books or tax returns again since then. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, so that's that's really kind of the phasing phasing in is you know get a bookkeeper when you're at six figures you know and then CFO you know part time CFO outside probably four or five hundred thousand and growing. Yep. Okay, so since we're talking about money, what would somebody need to budget for that if they're at that level roughly? Yep. So depending on the complexity of the business, obviously some some things there can really make a difference in pricing. But I would say, you know, you can really hire an outside CFO, $1,500 a month up to maybe three or $4,000 as the business grows and it gets larger, right? A, a business that's doing, you know, $2 million in business is going to be more than $1,500, right? You're probably looking more in the three grand range, something like that. But if you're a business that's doing half a million dollars a year, probably about $1,500 a month or $18,000 a year. All right. And that's good to know. So I know... um this might be a little bit outside of your purview, but I was thinking about this, you know, as you're suggesting profit to, you know, ways for profitability. I know a lot of small businesses have gone in the direction of, you know, hey, well, I do this and I consult and to conserve my time and to make it so I can be less hands on. They've been creating courses. Okay. Yep. I've seen like in a super influx of this. And I'm like, you know, are people really consuming all of this content? But it, what do you see? Do you work with companies that do that? And what do you see? Yeah. So I do have a couple of consultant clients that kind of work a model similar to that, right? What I see works best is if there's some sort of like basic level course, 
And then if there's active ongoing meetings, right, that's training on the course that's been created, right? Mm -hmm. Because if it's just a course from what I've seen, Mm -hmm. you might have a good number of business owners take it, but then how many are really implementing? And, you know, what do you, what do you do with it after you, after you've done taking it? Right. And, and what's the next for business owners, what's the next sale from there? Mm-hmm. If you, if you sell a course on the front end and then you have people take it, then you're, you're always, you're always reselling, right? Versus if you have an ongoing program that you have an ongoing coaching or an on, ongoing meetings, and that could be, you know, a couple of times a week, that could be once a week, could be once every other week, right? But if you have ongoing meetings and you have a flat fee for that program, you know, then you're, I think you're the members that watch the course that you created are going to have a higher implementation rate. And they're, you know, obviously they're going to continue working with you. So that generates more revenue as well. I am so glad to hear you say that because I'm in, in process right now of running through a course I created with an active client, um, getting feedback from it. And one of the things that is not currently in my so called beta test is um, those ongoing meetings. And I had thought, I was like, I think I need to offer that piece, but I'm actually not doing it as just courses online because I, it mainly because of my preference for learning style. I prefer sure. interacting with an instructor. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. And, and some, some people are absolutely that way. And, and that kind of continuing ongoing learning, you know, really takes care of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Perfect. So I like how you said that uh, also, you know, thinking about what the next step is. So I'm assuming that this is something that you also guide your clients on, you know, you're doing this product service and what's the next step from there? You know, can we McDonald's supersize it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So part of the CFO service that that I offer is more of a long-term plan, right? We talk about, you know, a five, I, I build out a five-year forecast, but we talk about even longer term than that, right? You know, as a business owner, what what is your exit strategy going to end up being, right? Are you going to sell your nice. business one day, right? Are you going to, you know, and, and usually if you're going to sell your business, it ends up being an employee sale. That's how most businesses sell. But, you know, what what is the plan? What is the goal? What is the dream? What are the next steps, right? In every one of our action plans that I create, um, and that could be around sales. It could be around, you know, expenses. It could be around uh, a portion of cash flow. That's the majority of the time that the business owner and I spend on our calls is we're talking about next steps. We're talking about what's the next best thing to do, you know, to really move the business forward. And then, you know, as I said, you know, in our right now we're we're getting into annual planning time, right? We're looking at mm-hmm. 2023 and and have been for the last month or two. You know, what's the long-term goal? What are the things that you really want to be doing in your business? What are the things you don't want to be doing? How many vacations do you expect to take a year with your family, right? I mean, all of those kinds of things we're absolutely talking about. Perfect. Perfect. So you're there to benchmark where they're at, plan for growth, and then plan for exit. You like covered the gamut. Yes, I certainly try. Yeah, I mean, my, (laughs) yeah, I mean, my job is really to close you know, the big gap of, you know, where you are today versus where you want to be and and how do we get you there? You know, and it's completely tied to, you know, for me, I love that it's completely tied to the numbers and the and the finance side of things, right? Because the the work that I do with my clients really has 
a number tied to it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when we're when we're fixing a number or we're or we're creating an objective and we're getting next steps done, there's a net income or a net cash flow number that's directly tied to that activity, right? That we're improving net income by twenty thousand dollars, right? And so closing those gaps and and helping small businesses be more profitable is really where my passion is. Perfect. So how can our listeners find you after the show? Best place to find me is netprofitcfo.com. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Just Ryan Kimler, K-I-M-L-E-R. And then if you would like to email me, um, ryan at netprofitcfo.com. If you go to my website, upper right-hand corner, uh, there's a link to my calendar as well to schedule a free 30-minute profit acceleration session. Perfect. We'll make sure all of that information is also in our show notes. Ryan, um, you have been a wealth of information, pun intended. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business podcast, where the focus is on business growth, technology, and people strategies to help your business thrive. At DCA Virtual Business Support, our focus is making your business operations run smooth so you can focus on growth. Reach out to me at denise at dcavirtual.com if you'd like to learn more.